and welcome to this week's edition of Worcester's Talking News, brought to you by Worcester News and Equipment for the Blind and with permission of the Worcester News, recorded on Thursday the 28th of March. I'm Sally Rowe and the team this week is Duncan Wynne Engineer and readers Janet Goodwin, Judith Doherty and Ian Rowe. Admin and copying will be done by Duncan and Judith and I would like to welcome any new listeners and hope you enjoy our offering. You will hear some useful telephone numbers, what's on in the local area, a thought for the week and we'll open the birthday book. Uh, Do let us know when yours is so we can wish you a happy birthday. We have sunrise and sunset times and then headline stories followed by the newsworthy stories from the past week with a section on sport. The obituaries will be at the end after the final music so that if you don't wish to hear these you can uh, finish listening at that point. Our service is free to users But if you wish to make a voluntary donation, it can be sent to Colin Chance House, Wilds Lane, Worcester, WR5 1DA. And we do like hearing from you. A message can be left on the answer phone on 01905 767766 or you could add a note in your wallet. And now I am going to hand over to Judith for the telephone numbers. Thank you. Um, Here are the useful numbers, Uh, again here in Wilds Lane, 01905 767766, Police Non-Emergency 101, Worcester Hub 01905 765765, Worcester Live 01905 611427 Samaritans 116123 Malvern Theatres 01684 and, and also, um, the clocks go forward on Saturday evening, so um, you will lose an hour's sleep, I'm afraid, but it's all worth it, uh, uh, because we were having some lovely light evenings. Thank you. And now for the birthdays, which we have three birthdays this week. And on the 1st of April... Eileen Jones, the 2nd of April, John Deakin, and the 5th of April, Derek Nicklin. So we all wish the three of you very happy birthdays. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. birthday. And now the thought for the day or the week. Um, And this comes from Luke chapter 23, verses 13 to 16 and 23 to 25. Pilate called together the chief priests, the rulers and the people and said to them, You brought me this man as one who was inciting the people to rebellion. I have examined him in your presence and have found no basis for your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us. As you can see, 
He has done nothing to deserve death. Therefore I will punish him and then release him. But with loud shouts they insistently demanded that he be crucified, and their shouts prevailed. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, the one they asked for, and surrendered Jesus to their will. Uh, and now for what's on, and I'm pleased to say there's quite a variety of different uh, presentations and performances. Uh, firstly, Jamie Knight and the Big Swing will be presenting Now That's What I Call Jazz on Saturday the 30th of March at 7.30pm. Uh, tickets will be £18, and this will be presented at the Swan Theatre and Huntingdon Hall. Uh, bookings for that, uh, and indeed for the subsequent ones at uh, the Swan, uh, are uh, by telephone on 01905 611 or on uk. Then... On Wednesday the 3rd to Saturday the 6th of April, we have the St John's Players presenting the hilarious hit comedy adaptation of John Buchan and Alfred Hitchcock's The 39 Steps. Uh, that is uh, at um, 7.45pm, tickets... £10 on the days uh, I just mentioned. The Astaria String Quartet, Like This, Like That, on Thursday the 4th of April at 7.30pm, tickets £14.50. Uh, still at the Swan, the Feast of Fiddles Silver Jubilee Tour will be on Friday the 5th of April at 7.30pm, Tickets are £23. Uh, from Saturday the 6th of April... Um, oh, sorry, just on Saturday the 6th of April at 10.30am and 11.45am, there's a stack presentation of the Children's Theatre, The Jester and the Wicked Witch by Augustus Swan. Uh, tickets at £2.50. Um, on Saturday the 6th of April at 7.30pm, Martin Turner x Wishbone Ash, Wishbone Gold, uh, will be presented at 7.30pm, tickets £18. Uh, and lastly, um, at the Swan, there is a production of the well-known musical Oklahoma, Rogers and Hammerstein's hit, uh, presented by Wads. Uh, Tuesday the 9th to Saturday the 13th of April at 7.30 with a matinee on the Saturday at 2.30pm. Uh, tickets £18 or the opening night and Saturday matinee at £16.50. So those are all at the Swan. Moving on to Morven Theatres... There is a production of Madagascar the Musical from Saturday, sorry, from Tuesday the 2nd to Saturday the 6th of April in the Festival Theatre. Uh, 
um, Tuesdays at uh, at six thirty p.m., Wednesday at one thirty p.m., and six thirty p.m. Thursday at six thirty p.m., Friday at seven p.m., and Saturday two p.m. and seven p.m. Prices range from twenty eight fifty to forty pounds eighty eight for the different productions. Um, and still at Morven, the Banff Centre um, are presenting the Mountain Film Festival World Tour, uh, the best new films from the world's most prodigious mountain film festival. Uh, that is on Friday the 29th of March at 7.30pm and Saturday the 30th at 7pm. Uh, tickets £16.52. And lastly, To Kill a Mockingbird uh, will be presented from Monday the 8th to Saturday the 13th of April in the Festival Theatre. Um, evening 7.30pm, Wednesday and Saturday matinees 2.30pm. Uh, prices varying from £16.80 to £29.12. Uh, now, productions, bookings at Morven. The box office is on 01684892277. A few other miscellaneous um, what's on items. Uh, firstly, there will be an organ recital at Great Morven Priory on Saturday the 30th of March at noon. This will be given by organist Stephen Moore of Landau Cathedral. Um, Mr Moore has been Director of Music at the Cathedral for more than two years and has recorded a CD on the organ there. He's given... Uh, recitals at notable venues around the UK, including Westminster Abbey and St Paul's Cathedral. Uh, for the Priory recital, he has chosen works by Felix Mendelssohn, Whitlock, Frank, Carg, Ellert and Ireland. Uh, I'm afraid I haven't got details of how to book that uh, with me. Um, there will be a church concert... Uh, next Sunday afternoon, uh, that's the th Sunday the 7th of April, at uh, Christ Church um, in Avenue Road, Malvern. Um, this features the orchestra Pro Anima, directed by Michael Bachmann. The programme, inspired by the coming of spring and the natural world, includes works by Vivaldi, Handel and Holst. There will also be works by Casal, Mendelssohn and Ireland. Uh, again, I don't have a telephone number for that, I'm afraid. Um, there is an event um, at Croom, uh, Airborne History um, in Croom RAF Walk. Um, the RAF walk will take place on the 21st of May um, and the history uh, of RAF Defford will be on show to visitors. Visitors can take 
uh, in key points of interest around the park, including views across the airfield and the crash site of a Wellington bomber. During the Second World War and the Cold War years which followed, the RAF Defford Airfield was one of the most secret places in the country, for it was at RAF Defford that airborne radar was tested, developed and proven. The airfield was built in the grounds of Croom, the ancestral seat of the Earls of Coventry. In 1957, however, Defford Airfield had to close to flying as the main runway was not long enough nor strong enough to take the new V-bombers then coming into service and the radar flight trials moved to Pershore. Uh, booking is essential for this. Call 01905 371 006. Uh, and lastly... Uh, a pub landlord has organised a golf event to raise funds for a charity which supported his wife after she was diagnosed as partially sighted. Jim McKeever, 62, has organised an 18-hole charity golf event in aid of raising funds for Worcester Talking News, a charity that provide recordings and listener equipment to people who are visually impaired, uh, as you are now experiencing. His wife, Anne McKeever, said, the charity sends me the Worcester News on a stick every week, which I can listen to. This helps me as I cannot read the print anymore and I like knowing what is happening in the news. Mr McKeever, pub landlord from the Winning Post in Worcester, said, the charity has helped my wife since she was diagnosed as partially sighted about two years ago. The charity does amazing work and helps a lot of people who are a lot worse than Anne. We have been supporting Worcester Talking News for 15 years. In addition to playing golf on the 18-hole course, bacon rolls, tea and coffee and the chef's special will be provided for those who take part on the day. Bill Evans, who has been involved in organising the event, said, we always raise funds for charities for somebody that we know. The idea is to help local charities which are close to our hearts. The event will take place on May the 22nd uh, at Bewdley Pines Golf Club. The cost is £140 for a team of four. To get involved, call Mr McKeever on 077106003963. Thank you, Ian. And now um, Janet is going to tell us the headlines for the week and we'll continue with the news. This headline says, Family Home Gutted in Chilling Fire. 35 firefighters in five engines descended on the semi-detached property in Lansdowne Crescent Lane at 7.05am yesterday and battled the blaze for four hours. A neighbour described seeing a plume of smoke coming from the roof and said she understands it is a listed Georgian property, formerly the home of city entrepreneur John Wheelie Lee. The eyewitness, who did not wish to be named, said the owners had gone out to walk their dog, leaving behind their two sons thought to be in their twenties. She said the pair then came running out into the street in their boxer shorts and pyjamas as smoke seeped from the roof. It must have been gutted upstairs, she added. 
Hereford and Worcester Fire Service has said the fire is believed to have been started accidentally and confirmed nobody was hurt. The witness said, I didn't exactly see what happened. The owners had gone out to walk the dogs and their two lads were out of there in their boxer shorts and pyjamas. I saw three fire engines, one outside the house, one in front of me and one down the street. She continued, smoke was coming out of the window and out of the roof. It might have damaged the roof. It spread onto the roof. It just went on and on and on. It's a Georgian listed house. It's Lee House, as in Lee and Perrins. Mr Lee owned that house and Mr Perrins owned next door, I think. She said the owners came back around 8am after their sons had been attempting to contact them and the four subsequently left. A fire crew came back to the property at around 3pm for a re-inspection and the windows and doors were left open, as were those of the home next door. It might have affected the roof, said the witness. The roof space, there's nothing to divide them. She went on to say the fire stopped and then suddenly took off again. I'd never seen it done before. The hose pipe blasted against the house like that, like that and it was quite chilling. Firing your roof with water. The water went down into the sitting room and the cellar. The fire won't have affected down the bottom, but the water will have, she added. A fire spokesman said crews from Worcester, Morven, Eversham, Pershaw, Droitwich and Bromsgrove were at the scene. Breathing apparatus, thermal imaging, imaging cameras and main jets were all used. Um, the second headline is Kitten Beater Avoids Prison. A former city student who broke his kitten's jaw and caused what are believed to be burns to her head has avoided prison and was described as an animal lover by his solicitor. Joe Purvis took his main coon cat, named Indico, to a vet in November last year and she was found to have three fractures to her head. The 12-week-old pet, bought for £50 several months earlier on Facebook, also had an open wound on the top of her head and lost a leg while in Purvis's care. Purvis, 25, admitted to giving the animal a backhander after it had bitten him, but did not accept that the marks were caused by a burn. The court heard that he claimed the cat hit her head on a tap while he was trying to wash her. The former student at heart of Worcestershire College had already accepted a charge of causing unnecessary suffering to a protected animal when he appeared before magistrates yesterday. Sarah Pratt, prosecuting, said the defendant had taken the kitten to vets the previous September and she had such severe injuries to her leg that they had no choice but to amputate it. On November the 9th, Purvis then took her again to Coldicott and Kingsway Veterinary Clinic in Tewkesbury and was described by staff as smelling overwhelmingly of cannabis. Mrs Pratt said that he told vets he believed the cat had suffered a broken jaw due to him giving her a backhander the night before after she'd defecated on his bed and bit him. He also told them the open sore on her head was caused by her hitting her head while he washed faeces off her. Purvis said to vets he couldn't cope with such a demanding animal and that she was the first and last pet he would ever own. 
Mrs. Pratt said Purvis had been unable to sleep the night of the incident and had toyed with the idea of taking her somewhere to let her go as a stray, but decided to take her to Coldicott Clinic instead. The vet said Indico needed an X-ray, but he said he didn't have any money and he did not want the cat before becoming verbally aggressive. When veterinary staff wouldn't agree to take the kitten off him, he told them there was no proof he owned her anyway. He added that if he was forced to take her home, he would let her go and described the vets as money-grabbing, despite them offering some treatment for free. The court heard Purvis then agreed to sign over the cat to the practice and started to fill out a document, but then screwed it up and exited. The cat was left at the vets where she was examined and it was determined she had fractures to the eye and jaw. While the wound to the head appeared to be a burn rather than a graze, as Purvis described it. Mrs Pratt said vets said there was a crunching of the bones on the right hand jawbone. The kitten's general demeanour was said to be nervous, in contrast to most young cats who are usually bold and active when going to the vets. An RSPCA representative went to Purvis's home later the same day and he agreed to sign over the cat to them and he was later interviewed at Malvern Police Station. Mrs Pratt said there was significant intervention in terms of operations to put right the injuries, which had proved costly to the vets as Purvis hadn't paid. Judith Kenny, defending, said her client did not accept that the secondary head injuries were caused by burns. At a previous hearing, magistrates had accepted that this was immaterial to the charge as the fractures put the offence at the top of its category anyway. Miss Kenny said she had seen pictures of the cat while she was living with Purvis and it was happy and contented. She said her client had brought the pet to a climbing structure and noticed she couldn't climb properly, so took her to the vets on September the 13th last year. A cat owner herself, Miss Kenny, said a young cat that goes through such trauma as a major operation and readjustment to life is often never the same. The reality is, then she couldn't defecate properly in her litter tray anymore, she explained, and went on to say she believed Purvis was not properly told how to look after her after the amputation and struggled with her. Referring to the day in November in which he struck the cat, Miss Kenny said, only he knows the truth of the matter. Why would he take the kitten to the vets and admit what he had done if he didn't have some compassion towards her? She said he became agitated at the vets because he couldn't afford to pay any more and had a hospital appointment that morning. At the last hearing in February, Miss Kenny said her client suffers from mental health problems and magistrates had ordered a probation report, including details of medication, to be compiled. Miss Kenny said, He wants me to ensure that you are aware that he did the right thing. He took the cat to the vets. He didn't do the right thing in hitting her and breaking her jaw. He is an animal lover, she continued. He accepts what he did on that day was not right, and if he could put the clock back, he would. 
Charles Townsend, chair of the bench, said, The injuries are horrific, and because of that, there's no doubt in both of our minds that you have crossed the custody threshold. There's a high culpability and greater harm. Purvis was given 14 weeks in prison, suspended for 12 months. Mr Townsend said he had taken into account that the defendant had taken the cat to the vets and had signed her over to the RSPCA. Purvis of William Tennant Way, Upton-upon-Seven, was ordered to pay court costs of £400 and a £115 victim surcharge. He was banned from owning any animals for 10 years. Monday's headline, We're Ready for Brexit. Policing staff have stopped from have stopped have been stopped from booking holiday on and around the date for Brexit being implemented in case it leads to disorder on the streets. South Worcestershire Superintendent Damien Petit said his teams have planning and operations in place should we encounter significant protest or public disorder. He said certain staff have been informed between specific dates we won't authorise leave. The original date for leaving the EU, March the 29th, has been postponed and MPs are expected to vote for a third time on the deal. Possibly, Theresa May had hoped for an extension until June the 30th, but the EU has offered May the 22nd if MPs approve her withdrawal deal or April the 12th if they reject it. Superintendent Petit told the Worcester News... It would be an unsafe decision to say, book your leave as normal, bearing in mind that Brexit is becoming significant and has been significant in the eyes of many people. There are specific dates that we have given constantly under review where we won't be accepting any more leave applications. However, the superintendent, who took up his role in May last year, said, while he and his colleagues are certainly aware of the political climate, he emphasised he was not of the mind that the city or surrounding areas would see riots. Every policing area will probably say the same. It's hard to anticipate, he continued. We are constantly assessing to ensure we have the appropriate policing response to address it. Superintendent Petit said, while he did not want to encroach on staff's downtime, his teams understood their role in the police community in keeping peace and order. It's what we call referred staffing levels, which is a number of staff we would anticipate we will need to provide a particular response. He went on to say, It's a very diverse and accepting community, I think, in South Worcestershire. Why would that change due to the political climate overnight? But, bearing in mind people can protest, we all feel different about different decisions made at government level. I don't have a political view on it, but what I will do is keep peace and harmony the best I am able to. And now the Tuesday's headline. <clears throat> 500 reasons for traffic lights here. A petition calling for traffic lights at a busy city roundabout has gathered more than 500 signatures in less than a week. Teresa Hamill, who started the petition, said traffic regularly stretches all the way from Worcester's Ketch roundabout to Kemsey at rush hour. Mrs Hamill, who lives in Kemsey, said everyone's furious about it. It's virtually impossible to get onto the roundabout unless you get a kind, generous soul to let you out. Sometimes it's like taking your life into your own hands. 
you edge out to try and get across, there's always a risk of a crash. Lately, it's getting worse and worse when coming from Kemsey. You have cars queuing all the way back onto the A38. You actually queue halfway to Kemsey or even into Kemsey. Mrs Hamill said she thinks the problem is getting worse because of the rising number of cars on the roads. She added that it has become particularly bad in the last couple of weeks due to the Seven Trent Water Roadworks on Norton Road. The 44-year-old complained that cars coming from the bypass to Carrington Bridge often block the Kemsey exit of the roundabout. Mrs Hamill envisaged that there would be traffic lights at each exit on the roundabout, ensuring a steady flow of traffic. She set up the petition on Wednesday last week after residents expressed anger about the situation on the Spotted Kemsey Facebook group. A Worcestershire County Council spokesman said, The final phase of works on the Southern Link Road scheme commenced earlier this month. Completion of the duelling between the Ketch and Poick roundabout, together with the improvements to the roundabout approach lanes on the A38, will enable traffic to join, circulate around and leave the roundabouts much more efficiently. We would urge residents to visit our designated latest updates page for the scheme to keep up to date with the project as it progresses. This provides access to videos and artist impressions visualising how the scheme will look when complete. Wednesday's headline says, Kidney Conman Fleeced Woman. A fraudster told a woman he met on Tinder that his kidney had been removed to con her out of more than £3,000. Conman Paul Gillett was jailed after admitting three frauds and 21 similar matters at Worcester Crown Court. The combined fraud was worth 7500 and Gillett, who appeared via video link from prison, could be heard snivelling as details of the events fences were read out. Gillett stole £3,182 from a woman he met on Tinder, claiming he needed the cash for his medical bills to cover the cost of a bogus health condition. The defendant also took money for two tickets to an Ed Sheeran gig, despite not actually having them. The court also heard details of 19 further sales of non-existent tickets to Sheeran gigs and the sale of two drones and an iPhone, which also did not exist. The 28-year-old, previously of Worcester, but now of Coronation Road, Carmarthen, in Wales, sold the fake tickets to Ellie Churchill and Emily Curtis. The frauds took place between February 1st and April 28th, 2017, and between February the 28th and April the 30th, 2017. Gillett also admitted a third fraud against Rebecca Rouse, lying to her that he required funds for medical treatment when he did not. This fraud was carried out between February the 21st and April the 11th, 2017. The suspect met his victim on Tinder and started to message her, claiming he was a funeral director. He claimed that he was seriously ill and had to have a kidney removed. 
the victim gave Gillett cash for treatment, but found out he was back on Tinder and doing the same to others. A spokesman for West Mercia Police said one of the victims in the ticket scam had learned via Twitter that a male by the name of Paul Gill, or Paul Gillett, was selling four tickets for Ed Sheeran for the Genting area on April the 28th, 2017, at a price of £77 each, the face value. The victim agreed via text to transfer money. The seller told her that he should receive the tickets 10 days before the concert and that he would forward them to her by Tuesday, April the 25th. However, the tickets did not arrive and the phone numbers provided by the seller were unobtainable. The Twitter account was also removed. Police began looking into Gillett's bank account at Halifax in Worcester. Michael Connery, prosecuting, read out personal statements from the victims. One of them said they would find it hard to trust anyone again and called the fraud downright nasty. Another said she felt betrayed. One victim told police, I have been struggling with life and dealing with suicidal thoughts and wanted to take my own life because of the difficulties of dealing with this. Mr Connery said of the medical fraud, his intention was to make her feel sorry for him. The court heard that Gillett still owed 12500 to his previous victims as part of a compensation order. However, he was described by Mr Connery as a man of straw and has yet to pay back a penny of the money. Mark Lister, for Gillett, said Mr Gillett acknowledges entirely that a custodial sentence must follow in this case and that it must be immediate. Mr Lister said at the time Gillett was at a low ebb, felt lonely, had no other means and had lost contact with his family. In those circumstances, he simply fell back into the fraudulent activity that brings him back before the court, said Mr Lister. He asked that his client be given credit for his early guilty plea. Judge Nicholas Cartwright told Gillett, you have significant previous convictions for offences of dishonesty, which led to the imposition of a suspended sentence in November 2016. Judge Cartwright said of the medical fraud, you went to very great lengths to persuade her you had a serious medical condition. You were lying to her in a number of other ways as well. You bought dressings and applied them to your body to cover what you were pretending was some sort of procedure or operation mark or scar when the whole thing was a fraud. The judge said the victim in the medical fraud had been the most affected of the three. She had offered Gillett both emotional and financial support. On Monday, Judge Cartwright jailed Gillett for three years, activating an 18-month suspended prison sentence for a previous fraud offence, which was imposed in 2016, and added a consecutive 18 months for the more recent frauds. He said the case met the criteria for a compensation order, but noted that the defendant had paid none of the previous 12500 He argued that if he made a further such order, it would simply raise the victim's expectations and they damage their prospect of obtaining compensation via other means. So the judge ruled that making a further order would be a fruitless exercise, but made it clear he did not discourage the victims from taking other steps to get compensation. 
Gillett will also have to pay a victim's surcharge. Uh, Thursday's headline, plan to turn eyesore former night spot into student flats. This is associated with a picture of a derelict nightclub uh, and an artist's impression of the replacement uh, proposed student accommodation with the captions from this to this. A derelict former nightclub could be transformed into student accommodation. The old images club in the Butts, Worcester, would be demolished and replaced by a seven-storey student housing block. The building, opposite the Hive, has been derelict since, since Funk Nightclub closed down in February 2012. In 2014, the city's licensing subcommittee gave the green light to the site, becoming a club named Mama Jamas, aimed at over 30s, despite fierce opposition from West Mercia police, who believed the venue would increase crime in the area. But the plans never came to fruition, and the eyesore building remained derelict. Now, plans have been released by Rengen Developments, IESIS and Planet, the team behind the project, on a website showing how the 96-bed student block could look. The designs, shown in artists' impressions, include a mixture of red and buff bricks and multicoloured panels, while there would be a bicycle parking store and no car park. In Boy Reese Architects' artist's impression of the proposed building, there are signs calling the building Images Student Accommodation, although it is not clear if this is the official name. The plans are available to view on the planet-planningdevelopment.co.uk site and appear to have been used for public consultation. In the material, there is a joint statement from the development saying, we will prepare and submit a planning application to Worcester City Council. The City Council's planning department will consult local residents and you will be able to formally comment on the proposals before they are determined by the local planning authority. The Worcester News approached the owner of the site, Ian Perks, who also owns units in Broad Street, who said he could not comment on the proposal at this point. An approach was also made to the developers for further details on the scheme and asking when the application would be submitted, but nobody was available to comment. Lynn Denham, who represents Cathedral Ward on Worcester City Council, said she was pleased to see plans to remove the eyesore building. She said, I think people will be pleased to see the redevelopment of the old nightclub. It is an eyesore and it has been vacant for some time now. It has great potential to be accommodation as the previous application for a different kind of nightclub led to some concerns from residents about crime and antisocial behaviour, but that came to nothing. And now for general news throughout the week. A campaign which brings the community together has been celebrated at an awards ceremony. Talk to Me Worcester encouraged individuals, community groups and organisations, schools and companies to organise events to tackle loneliness and social exclusion in the community. 
the awards ceremony, which was held at Worcester Guildhall, celebrated the efforts of 38 events which were registered. Worcester's Mayor, Councillor Jabarayas, handed out four awards for the most inclusive, innovative and fun events registered with the campaign. Nicola Longworth-Cook won an individual award, while Love the Arboretum Project, which saw homes decorated with lights for a weekend, won the Community Award. Red Point Worcester, a climbing centre in the city, won the Corporate Award, and the Pancake Race, where neighbours enjoyed a race, won the Street Award. John Wadoops, who registered the Pancake Race, said, Where I live you see people and wave, but you don't know their name. The idea of the event was to get neighbours to meet up and find out their names and have a chat. It was brilliant. 22 people turned up and we are planning a follow-up barbecue soon with everybody. The campaign ran for 10 weeks and in total 38 events were registered. Chris Watkins, the brainchild behind the campaign, said the awards reflect courageous and inspirational people who were not afraid to get out of their comfort zone and invite others to come along. Basia Ligas, Community Cohesion Officer at Worcester City Council, said, I'm very pleased with the 38 projects that were registered. I would like to thank everyone who got involved and put so much effort into their events. It was interesting to see so many events created purely for the Talk To Me Worcester campaign. Talk To Me Worcester was initially a one-off event to bring people together, but high levels of interest turned it into a 10-week campaign. A social club for people with learning disabilities is moving to a new venue this month. The Monday Night Club will be moving to Worcester Arts Workshop from Monday, March the 25th. It was obviously Monday just gone. The opening night party will include a disco, a performance by Merlot the Magician and other surprises. The club will continue to meet there every Monday night for music, dancing, socialising, fun and friendship. Monday Night Club founder Laura Gill said, We are delighted to make Worcester Arts Workshop our new home. It will, be, uh, it will open up many new opportunities for our members and provide wonderful spaces for what we love to do most, dancing, singing and performing. The Monday Night Club provides social opportunities for people with learning disabilities and autism and was founded by Laura Gill, a young woman with learn a learning disability and autism, eight years ago. Organiser Helen Gill said, It is the perfect venue to provide a safe and friendly place for people with learning disabilities, autism and others in our community who may feel vulnerable. To join the club, Contact Helen at themondaynightclub.org.uk Mum thanks donors is the headline. A mother says she was in a state of shock after finding out that secret fundraisers had donated almost £8,000 overnight to help her four-year-old daughter bounce back from major surgery. Lucy Garner's online fundraising page received a wave of donations after comedian Jason Manford called on his fans to contribute. Mrs Garner of Northwick Woodster is raising money to pay for physiotherapy sessions for her daughter Miller, who has cerebral palsy. 
Miller is currently recovering from selective dorsal rhizotomy. Sorry. Rhizotomy. Rhizotomy. (laughs) Surgery, which should should reduce the stiffness in her legs if she gets enough physiotherapy. Mrs Garner, aged 44, said, We are overwhelmed. It started happening on Saturday night. I think we had about 1,200 on Saturday night and it went up to 9,000 by Sunday morning. We couldn't believe it on Sunday morning. We were in shock. It was really thoughtful. We have had donations from £2 to 100 from complete strangers. I'd like to say a heartfelt thanks to those who donated. They are people from all over the country and they don't even know us. They just read our story. Mrs Garner said one person donated after winning £25 on a scratch card, while another found £5 on the floor and decided to donate it after reading Mr Manford's Facebook post about the appeal. The mother also thanked her friends and family for their contributions. She set up the fundraising page last week and it has already gathered more than 12700 To donate, go to https colon forward slash bit dot ly forward slash two o o u j a m An awareness campaign is being launched at Worcester Woods Country Park to encourage visitors to do their bit to help protect the woodland and wildlife. Park rangers will be installing special signs to remind people to stay on surface paths and not to trample on woodland flowers, including bluebells which are coming into flowering season. Bluebells have soft leaves that are particularly sensitive to being trodden on. Once the leaves are damaged, they are unable to absorb the sunlight and die. Worcester Woods Country Park ranger Rob Stevenson, pictured uh, above this article, said... As the country park is now so popular, we are running an awareness campaign for visitors to ask for their help to protect the woodland and wildlife. I have made some road signs style signs to make people aware of the damage they can inadvertently cause and to ask visitors to stray on surface, to stay on surfaced paths. The woodland at the park is ancient oak woodland and in the spring it has an amazing show of native bluebells, a feature unique to the UK. We are asking visitors to stay on the main paths in the woodland as bluebells are very sensitive to trampling and by straying off the main paths the high numbers of visitors the park now receives are inadvertently causing a lot of damage to this wonderful display. He added, we are hoping that our campaign will raise awareness with the public and visitors to help preserve the wonderful woodland at the country park. Worcester Woods Country Park is around 94 acres in size and is managed by Worcestershire County Council. It features two nature reserves, a huge open field, busy countryside centre with cafe facilities and an adventure play area. Right, we'll now have some sports items, starting with football. Worcester City will become a fan-owned club after shareholders overwhelmingly rubber-stamped a supporters' trust takeover. All remaining shares in the homeless Midland Football League outfit, approximately 46% of the business, will be gifted to Worcester City Supporters Limited, the Community Benefit Society, 
CBS, that runs the trust. And with supporters keen to back the new era, pledges to transfer shares to the trust to take them past the magic 50% plus one mark for a majority stake are already being made. In practice, the trust will act as an umbrella organisation over the club that will still operate as a limited company for now with its existing board in place, three of whom are directors of the trust. A special resolution to change five elements of a constitution that had stood for more than 90 years was passed by more than 80% of the shareholders at last month's annual general meeting, AGM, crossing the required 75% threshold for change. That became an ordinary resolution which needed to be passed by 50% within one month. A convincing 82.92% voted in favour tonight, which was Tuesday. The ballot saw 42,525 votes in favour, with 8,700 against. Club chairman Steve Good, a member but not a director of the trust and long-term advocate of the plan, said, It was brilliant. It just proves people want change. This has taken a long time to achieve, but to have 80-odd percent was really good. There was a good turnout with more sensible questions which had positive answers. I had been out speaking to ex-directors and major shareholders throughout this process and gained a lot of positive feedback. There are people with differences, but in the main, they all said they wanted to back the club, and I know they have. All of a sudden, we have a lot more people involved in the club. Now we are going for a one-person, one-vote system. I have no more power in this club than anyone else, and to me, that is important. When things are decided, we have proper discussions. In the past, things have got blocked because some people had more say than others. Now everyone is on the same level, which can only be good for the club. It might cause some other issues, ideas might split people, but that's life. In the end, everyone will have the power to make decisions and help their club move forward. I think we will get a lot more interest through this and the people of Worcester should be proud of what is happening. As CBS, the trust operates through a board of 11 directors which takes day-to-day decisions with bigger calls voted on via a one-person, one-vote basis. The Trust Board is made up of Chairman Dave Wood, who is also a club director, Vice Chair and Club Historian Julian Pugh, Incoming Secretary Lyndon Roberts, Rich Widdersen, Jem Pitt, Bosco Medokovic, Ken Johnson, Gavin Waugh, Neil Cox, Mike Davis and Luke Cox. Davis and Luke Cox are also club directors. It is highly unlikely, particularly given that a number of shares are now inactive, the trust could be overhauled in any vote. But the aim is still to get over 50% and grow from there so the club itself eventually becomes a CBS. The club is checking its legal position on the minimum number of shares individuals can hold before gifting begins to ensure current shareholders do not lose their status. We gave out forms after the meeting for people to transfer shares across to the trust and I don't see any problem with that, said Steve Good. I think we will get enough to take us past 50% very quickly. A lot of people indicated they would like to do that once the change happened. And now for some cricket news. Paul Pridgen gave a ringing endorsement of the qualities of new first-team coach Alex Gidman and his five-year plan for Worcestershire 
after joining the squad on their pre-season Abu Dhabi tour. Pridgen is the new chairman of the county's cricket steering committee, in addition to becoming club vice-chairman. He felt it is important to forge a working relationship with Gidman via the trip to the UAE and came back feeling fully enthused about the future. Pridgen said, My reasons for going were, as chairman of the steering group, it's really important I know the personnel I'm working with well. I know Kevin Sharp, Alan Richardson and Joe Leach very well. The only person I didn't really know was the first team coach, so it was important for me to get to know him. What I found was someone who is extremely passionate and extremely knowledgeable about cricket and who already cares quite deeply about this club. I am really looking forward to this season and the expectations are high. It is really important we get into County Championship Division 1 this year. You talk to Alex and he is not just thinking about getting up into Division 1 this season, he is thinking about a five-year plan where we can win it. That is really positive and where we need to be. It was exactly what I feel a cricket tour should be if you are preparing for a new season and I came back fully enthused. I had that gut feeling we all the way through last year's T20 that we could do really well in that competition. I sat on the plane coming back from Dubai and still had that feeling and that says to me as a playing group and a coaching group we are in a good place. Pridgen, who won three championship titles as a player with Worcestershire, added, The work ethic that Alex installed in the players out there has been fantastic and the cricket they played out there was very good as well. Most of the batters got what they wanted out of the trip. They had time in the middle on good surfaces and also via good net facilities and the bowlers got in the right workloads. It has been a real eye-opener for me and one I really enjoyed. I also had time to look at the other three teams out there and none of them were in the condition our boys are in. None were as fit and as far forward to start the season as ours are. That is also a testament to the rest of the backup team in Ross Dewar and Ben Davis. They've all done a great job. Worcestershire will take on Gloucestershire in a 50-over fixture at Kidderminster's Chester Road ground on Monday, April the 1st. The match will be Worcestershire's last 50-over action before the start of the Royal London One Day Cup North Group campaign later in the month. The county reached the semi-finals for the second successive year in 2018. The Kidderminster encounter will get underway at 11am and admission will be free. Parking will be available on the field accessed from Chester Road. Worcester Wolves showed they have plenty to offer in the closing weeks of the British Basketball League season by thumping Manchester Giants 98-79 to at the University of Worcester Arena. A rampaging second quarter propelled Wolves to a 53-32 half-time lead that brought a standing ovation from delighted home fans. 
Although the advantage was later briefly hauled back to single figures, an effervescent display gave little opportunity for the visitors to triumph. Coach Tony Garbaletto praised his team's performance. We played with the sort of effort I've asked for since I came here, Garbaletto said. They came back at us, but we handled it well and made some big plays. Worcester conceded the first eight points of the evening before they found their groove. A trio of three-pointers helped the host to edge 19-17 ahead, entering the second period. A double of scores for Alex Navajas pushed the lead to 28-23. Deshaun Freeman sank a three and then stole the ball ahead of a crowd-pleasing two-handed reverse dunk. Three minutes before the interval, the advantage had stretched to 43-29 after Robert Crawford set up consecutive Navajas baskets. In the final minute of the half, Navajas again connected from distance and Freeman out-enthused his defenders in battling to multiple offensive rebounds to finalise Wolves' stunning spell of play. A calmer third quarter gave Giants hope as the scoreboard closed to 68-55. A layup from former Worcester captain Callum Jones had matters at 71-62 with six minutes to go. But any comeback was curtailed once current captain Adam Thosby set his feet for a confident outside shot and Freeman produced another dazzling score, threading the ball behind his back to Mickey Servera, who returned it skywards for a powerful jab through the hoop. The irrepressible Navajos slotted home his fifth and sixth triples to Ice Wolves' dominance. Freeman totaled 23 points, just behind Navha's 26-point outburst, as well as pulling down a 19 rebounds. Crawford notched 17 points, while Servera impressed with an 11.12 assist double-double showing. As well as Alex, I have to credit Deshaun specifically, Garbalotto said. I thought his effort was off the charts. His pure effort, his desire, ignited us. Worcester are still bottom, but are two pints, points behind Surrey. Garbalotto's side returned to the University of Worcester Arena on Friday, 7.30pm, to face playoff-bound Newcastle Eagles. Our fans, everyone, had a great experience on Friday night, Garbalotto continued. If we play as hard as we have just done, we can beat almost any team. Uh, moving now on to rugby. Uh, a full-strength Worcester Warriors side are set to fight for a place in the final four of the European Challenge Cup. Head coach Rory Duncan says he will field his strongest lineup for Saturday's home quarter-final against Harlequins at 8.15pm in a bid to build momentum. Worcester have demonstrated their strength in depth in this season's competition, having rested many of their key players during the pool stages. But Duncan said he was likely to stick with largely the same side that defeated Bristol Bears 27-25 at Ashton Gate last Saturday. We have broken our season into different blocks, Duncan said. Most of the players have come back after a rest and played one game in this block. 
We have made rotations previously, but I don't think there will be too many changes this week. We want that continuity, and this is a great opportunity for a lot of players to play in a quarter-final to fight for that semi-final position. Wing Bryce Heem, who missed the Galaha Premiership clash due to the birth of his first child, could be back available. Centre Francois Vonté is set to return after overcoming concussion, but there are doubts over the fitness of fly-half Jono Lance, who suffered a blow to his head at Bristol. Duncan said he would also make a late call on back Josh Adams, who played a key role in Wales's recent Grand Slam success in the Six Nations. Josh has been training with the squad, Duncan said, but we will make a final decision on him later on in the week, as he has played a fair amount of rugby. Warriors are embroiled in a relegation battle as they sit just one place and three points above the drop zone. But after beating Bristol, Duncan said there was a buzz around the club and he was keen to keep the ball rolling before heading back into league action next week. The advantage of picking your strongest lineup is that you have the opportunity to build momentum, Duncan said. That's important to us as a team. It's a different competition, but it would be nice for us to get two wins in a row. Worcester topped Pool 2 with five wins and one loss, including memorable triumphs of Stade Francais and Ospreys. A victory over Quinns will set up a semi-final at either Northampton Saints or Clermont Auvergne in late April. We didn't start off the competition looking down the line saying that we are going to be in the knockout stages, Duncan added. We took every game as it came, but the players had belief that they were going to win. We've had a pretty good idea of what Holiquins are going to bring, so we have done our preparation and hopefully all goes well this weekend. Now back to the uh, regular news. Cardiac patients in Worcestershire are benefiting from quicker appointments and reduced lengths of stay in hospital thanks to a procedure which can now be performed by a specialist arrhythmia nurse, says the Hospital Trust. The procedure to insert an implantable loop recorder, ILR, was traditionally carried out by consultant cardiologists. However, devices are now much smaller and injectable. This means the procedure takes just a matter of minutes, offering patients a much quicker and less anxious experience and giving consultants time to perform more complex procedures, according to the Trust. ILRs, which are half the size of a AAA battery, record electrical signals in a patient's heart, which can then be downloaded by a specialist for analysis. When a patient experiences a symptom like a fainting episode or a palpitation, they can activate the ILR by a button or via the mobile phone app. Their heart rate and rhythm at the time of their symptoms or any other abnormality without symptoms are transmitted to the hospital wirelessly. This allows the cardiology team to review any cardiac issues quicker without the patient having to visit hospital again, resulting in a prompt and accurate diagnosis, said the Trust. A drug trafficker who hid his cocaine stash in a can of dummy deodorant was caught when he drove the wrong way down a Worcester street and met a police car coming the other way. Khatib Shabir 
was jailed after he admitted possession of cocaine with intent to supply <clears throat> and careless driving at Worcester Crown Court. The 25-year-old of Friesland Close Worcester drove the wrong way along a one-way street travelling along the city's Britannia Square towards Hebb Street at around 4.50pm on September the 6th last year, only to encounter a police car travelling in the opposite direction. Paul Whitfield, prosecuting, said the defendant volunteered the information he had drugs when officers detained him. He added, he was searched and officers discovered a dummy deodorant can which had eight wraps of cocaine hidden in it. These eight wraps weighed 5.8 grams with a street value of £640. Officers also located two further wraps weighing 0.84 grams with a street value of £80. The total street value of the drugs was estimated to be £720. Officers also seized £1,283 in cash and two mobile telephones which, when analysed, revealed evidence of drug dealing. His home was further was also searched and a further £60 and a third mobile phone were found. Shabir was arrested, taken to the police station and interviewed under caution. Plainly, he was suspected by the police of drugs trafficking and drug dealing. When asked about this, he made no comment responses to the questions asked of him, said Mr Whitfield. One of the messages on the confiscated phone said, Ring me when you're active. And another said, Do you still need? Mr Whitfield added, It clearly indicates he's dealing in amounts of drugs for money, for profit. Shabir has four convictions for five offences between 2008 and 2013, but no previous drug offences on his record. His last conviction was for assault occasioning actual bodily harm and intimidation of a witness or juror on January 30th, 2013. This led to a nine-month prison sentence suspended for 12 months. The combined value of the drugs and cash seized was placed at £2,063. Shabir had available assets of £1,343, which he must pay within 28 days or face a default period of a month in custody. Adam Weisserzak, for Shabir, said his client had accepted it was a stupid thing to do, but that he had not got into debt and did not want to borrow money from his parents, deciding to sort it himself. He throws himself on the mercy of the court, said Mr Weisserzak, who stressed that it was a small amount of drugs and that he was not before <coughs> the court on a regular basis. He added, He attends the mosque on a regular basis and considers himself to be a religious individual. Recorder Robert Spencer Bernard jailed him for three years, half of which he will be expected to serve in custody and half on licence in the community. His licence was endorsed with six penalty points for driving without due care and attention. A 13-year-old girl will cut off her long Rapunzel-style hair and give it to make wigs for young people who have lost their own hair. Dominique Barsley State from Worcester 
was inspired to have 30 inches of her hair cut off for the Little Princess Trust. She also hopes to raise money for the charity, which gives wigs to young people who have lost their hair. Dominique's mum, Helen Barsley states, said, Dominique's hair is so long, it is almost down to her knees. Once it's been cut off, it will be above her shoulders. It will be quite a shock to see her new hairstyle. The family said Dominique's hair has always been long, but she has wanted to have it chopped off for some time. Her original goal was to raise £550, which would provide two wigs to be made for the Little Princess Trust. However, she has already raised more than her target and has so far reached 1165 which has been pledged for the charity. Mrs Barnsley State, aged 51, said, Rather than her hair just sitting on the floor, we thought it would be better to donate it to a worthy cause. Dominique said, I'm really excited to have my hair cut and hope that a little girl will have, all my, will have a lovely wig made from it. Dominique will be having her hair chopped off on Saturday, April the 6th at NV Hair and Beauty in St Peter's, Worcester. Mrs Barnsley State added, NV Hair and Beauty has occasionally trimmed Dominique's hair before. However, this will be the first proper haircut Dominique has ever had. She has never had a proper haircut. She has always had long hair. Even when she was a baby, she had lots of hair. She loves her long locks, however it takes forever trying to tie her hair up for school. Mrs Barnsley State said she was very proud of her 13-year-old daughter, adding her friends realise the good deed Dominique is doing and they understand why. The fact that her hair is so long, it is a big thing for a girl of her age to do. A child will be given a beautiful wig afterwards. Anyone who wants to help Dominique raise money for the Little Princess Trust can do so by visiting justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash Helen Barnsley State. A mum whose son has dyslexia has set up a group to help other parents of children with the learning difficulty. Frances Brown began Worcestershire Dyslexia Parent Support Group with ex-teacher and special educational needs, SEN, specialist Victoria Crivelli. Mrs Brown's son, Henry, 14, has dyslexia and she said, When my child was diagnosed, I felt quite alone. It's estimated that up to one in ten people in the UK has some degree of dyslexia. A child with the condition could have issues such as dyspraxia or ADHD. Not every child and every person is the same and dyslexia covers a massive area, said Mrs Brown. She added, with my son we are now going down the autism route. The support group has a lot of parents coming to us with a lot of other problems. SEN support is an area that has been cut across the country. Dyslexic people often struggle with organisational skills and their short-term memory can be affected. Mrs Brown said, As a parent, you are constantly having to be aware of their timetable so they have everything they need to take to school. Handwriting is also an issue. My son can write, but he can't read it, and I can't read what it says. As a young child, you would tell him to go and put his shoes on, and he would put his shoes on, but with no socks. You would have to say, put your socks on and then put your shoes on. 
Children with dyslexia often struggle, struggle with academic tasks and this affects their confidence. With my son, he will often say, I can't do it because he is frightened of failing, Mrs Brown said. He will know how to verbally say it, but will end up writing something very simple because he cannot spell the words, she added. Some schools give dyslexic students extra time in exams as it can take them longer to process information. But Mrs Brown said not all institutions are so understanding. Sometimes people will think that you are just trying to get extra time in an exam, she said. But giving them that extra 25% will allow them to read it and process it, even if they are exhausted when they come out. Henry attends Christopher Whitehead Language College in Worcester. Mrs Brown said they have been massively supportive and very caring. For example, due to Henry's problems, we dropped a language quite early on. For more information, visit hwda.org.uk forward slash parent hyphen support hyphen group. A school in Worcester has received £9,000 to spend on a new sensory garden. Oasis Academy in Warnden was given the grant by the National Lottery Funding Scheme after applying in January. Faye Osborne, Community Hub and Family Support Worker at Oasis Academy Warnden, said, This is our first significant grant for the Hub since we opened a year ago. In fact, we got the news of the award a day before our first birthday celebrations, so this gave us something extra to celebrate. We're so excited to be able to bring this garden to our local community. Having a safe place to play and explore locally is something that families and local residents talk a lot about. We're very much looking forward to making this initial idea a reality and getting lots of people involved along the way. The garden will include zoned areas such as sensory with a music wall, touch and sound wall and a barefoot trail and sensory garden, a nature area which will enable them to create a wildlife zone with a lookout hide and a wildflower meadow with a range of habitats to encourage urban wildlife and the growth of biodiversity. Emily Hobson, principal of Oasis Academy, warned and added, Receiving this grant is amazing and will enable us to develop our hub even further. This is all down to the dedication and hard work of Faye. We cannot wait to see what this will offer our local community. The community hub, which opened a year ago, offers opportunities for extended learning to local families, delivers a range of activities and support sessions, including holiday lunch clubs, fitness classes, job clubs and community breakfasts. And another article on uh, the new lottery launched. A new city lottery designed to benefit local charities and good causes has been launched this week. The Worcester Community Lottery gives players the chance to sign up to a weekly draw and to specify which causes they want to benefit from their subscription. Tickets have gone on sale ahead of the first draw on Saturday, April the 27th. The cost, £1 each, with 60p going to good causes and the rest going to the prize fund and covering admin costs and VAT. The top prize is £25,000 each week. More than 30 good causes have already signed up for the lottery, including Worcester Community Action, Mag's Day Centre and St Paul's Hostel. 
When players sign up for a subscription, they will have the chance to choose which of the causes they will support. The first to sign up was Crossroads Caring for Carers. Care manager Helen Simmons said, Worcester Community Lottery is a great way of encouraging support for the important work that we do for our city carers. We're supporting it in every way we can. A city head teacher has called for road safety measures to be introduced outside his school before someone is seriously injured or killed by a speeding vehicle. Stephen Powell, head of Nunnery Wood High School, has given his backing to a group of Spetchley Road residents who commissioned a speeding survey to prove how much the 30 mile per hour is being flouted. Over a two-week period between August 29th and September 11th last year, Road Data Services Limited found that 8,484 cars were travelling at 36 miles per hour or over and 177 were going in excess of 51 miles per hour. Roger Johnson, member of Spetchley Road Area Residents Association, said there's going to be a massive accident one of these days and it's wrong to wait until someone is killed to do something about it. The group says it has been pushing Worcestershire County Council's Highways Department for years to improve speeding and parking, which have got worse with new estates being built. Students from Worcestershire Sixth Form College, as well as Nunnery Wood Primary and Secondary Schools, all frequent the road. The high school is set to increase its intake by nearly 150 pupils by 2022, which Mr Powell said he has been brought about to, due to new homes being built in the area. He said, speeding has been a problem for a long time and we will be doing all we can to support safer crossings and slower traffic. He went on to say, with the school expanding and new houses being built, the infrastructure just isn't up to keeping pedestrians and children safe. I fully support the residents. It can't be right that it will take a resident or a child to be hurt before we make this area safer. Keith Burton, chair of the residents group, said, In desperation, we have spent a considerable amount of money and had a professional traffic survey, so we have evidence to show the authorities what exactly is going on. Jan Jarvis, group secretary, said that while the survey only recorded drivers doing up to speeds of 51 miles per hour, actually found some going 70 miles per hour. Work on a new 98-bed apartment building in the city centre can now start after councillors agreed to a plan which allows allows demolition to start. The six-storey apartment block opposite St Martin's Gate car park was approved by Worcester City Council in principle in July 2016 and was signed off in January last year, but some conditions prevented demolition from starting. Worcester Developments Limited, the company behind the plan, had requested some of the conditions in the original planning permission to be removed and amended to allow for the demolition of the existing builds, essential archaeological work and letting contracts to be compiled properly. At a meeting of the Council's Planning Committee on Thursday, March 21st, Alan 
Coleman, head of the de- head of development planning at the city council, said the conditions needed to be changed so demolition could take place before archaeological work was carried out. Mr. Coleman said the developer would otherwise be in a circular situation where the conditions would not be cleared because the archaeological work or development could not take place without the other. Mr. Coleman said the council's planning department wanted to keep the condition, which meant a contract for development had to be made before demolition took place so the council could keep control over future work. Under the current planning permission... Worcester Developments Limited, which plans to sell the land to a housing developer once demolition has taken place, is under instruction to have a proper contract in place before any buildings are knocked down. Approval of the plan meant a number of single-storey buildings currently used for car valeting and repairs would be demolished to make way for the new flats. Worcester Development Limited had also asked for a condition to be deleted, which meant a building must be erected as soon as demolition work has finished. But a compromise between the developer and city council planners put a January 2021 deadline for work to begin. The 98-bed apartment block, which includes 59 car parking spaces and 188 cycle spaces, would neighbour the new development planned for the former Granary building next to Asda in Lowesmore. A call to ask the public whether it wants a new footbridge across the River Severn was rejected by Council's Conservatives. Councillor Adrian Gregson, Deputy Leader of the Worcester City Council, led a call for a full public consultation into a plan to build a new multi-million pound foot and cycling bridge from Goulevelt Park to the old Keepak site, but was defeated by the Council's Conservatives. Councillor Gregson said it was right and proper to consult the public given the City Council had already committed £875,000 to the plan on top of the £4.2 million Worcestershire County Council had agreed to hand over to put towards some of the work. Councillor Gregson said it seemed right to consult the public in line with work and studies the Council has been already carrying out on the bridge plan and before an update is presented to councillors in November later this year. He added, it seems appropriate that in terms of fitting in with what Fitting in with that technical and perfectly responsible approach to design and develop a bridge which is going to be funded by the City Council to at least three quarters of a million pounds. It is very important that the public understands why its council is doing that and how they can help and how they can support and develop these ideas and make sure this is a successful venture if it goes ahead. Councillor Mark Bayliss, leader of the City Council and enthusiastic supporter of the bridge, said the notion was a Trojan horse designed to delay the plan and increase the potential for the bridge not to be built. He said there had been a track record of Labour councillors opposing the bridge and the resistance was only because it was a Conservative idea. Councillor Bayliss said this project will have further consultation uh, clearly as it moves forward in the planning process, which will obviously take in the opinions of those most closely affected by it. I think we have taken a measured, systemic, piece-by-piece approach to delivering this bridge. I think this is the last redoubt of the people who really don't want this to happen. Councillor Bayliss said the plan to build the bridge had never been made a secret and had gathered wide support already. 
Councillor Roger Berry said it was important the public was asked about the principle of a new bridge. An 85-year-old has been branded a care company disgusting after carers repeatedly failed to turn up at his house to help his wife. Jeff Robbins claims carers for Bloomsbury, Worcestershire failed to show up to nine scheduled home visits between December and January. Mr Robbins of Harrington Road, Worcester, said this meant he was forced to get his 83-year-old wife Edna, who has dementia, out of bed. Bloomsbury, Worcestershire, is also under fire for allegedly sending carers into homes without criminal background checks. However, the company says it has only found one example of this occurring. Mr Robbins said, I thought it was a disgusting service. We complained and my daughter reported them to the Care Quality Commission. We would ring them up and they would come up with some excuse that one of the carers had gone off sick or they couldn't give an explanation. They never phoned us to say they weren't attending. I had to care for my wife myself. I can manage, but it's an effort at my age. The reason we are having carers is because it helps me. I'm getting to the age where I can't do it. The father of four said he was charged for the visits despite the carers failing to show up. He claims the council has overcharged him by £139.05p. Bloomsbury carers visited his home three times a week to make his wife's bed and to help her to get up, wash and take her medication. However, Mr Robbins said the carers sometimes fail to even make the bed. He claims one of the the employees would arrive at 10.02am and leave at 10.22am, despite him paying for a 45 minutes of care. The former bus driver added, The whole time I had Bloomsbury, I don't think they ever spent the full 45 minutes at my home. He said the council recommended the company to him after he ditched another care firm for poor service. Mr Robbins added, The company were also not attending. They didn't leave early, but they did miss visits. They were not as bad as Bloomsbury, though. Mr Robbins, who currently has a fractured left wrist from a fall, was diagnosed with vascular dementia 3 Sorry, did I say Mrs. Robbins, who currently has a fractured left wrist from a fall, was diagnosed with vascular dementia three years ago. Mr. Robbins said his wife's condition means he has to carry out most of the chores in the home, such as cooking, cleaning and washing, in addition to helping her to the toilet. Bloomsbury carers first went into the couple's home in October and carried out their final visit in January. However, the couple, who got married in 1956 have now hired a new care company with which they are happy. Nick Christodoulou, CEO of Bloomsbury Hare, which runs Bloomsbury Worcestershire, said company records showed that there had been some missed visits. He added that carers failed to visit the home on at least three Sundays, although he claimed records showed the client had cancelled the calls, potentially because the carer was running late. The CEO added, It's possible that our carers were running so late, it being a Sunday, with perhaps fewer staff out. If we were running very late, it's possible Mr Robbins cancelled the call as there was no point in us going over. Mr Christodoulou said carers did not keep records when they left the pensioner's house, which meant 
the company could not tell how long they spent at the property. The CEO offered his apologies to Mr Robbins. A Worcestershire County Council spokesman said, Worcestershire County Council is working with the CQC and the provider to fully understand the current issues. We were aware of the concerns related to missed calls and have sought a commitment from Bloomsbury Home Care that this matter has now been resolved. There will be ongoing monitoring of the quality of service provided as this is a priority for the County Council. Ensuring quality service provision for our residents is paramount for adult social care. Any safeguarding concerns raised in relation to Worcestershire's adults social care providers are taken very seriously and formal investigations take place immediately these are raised in partnership with a CQC. Any substantiated concerns are dealt with appropriately. Thank you and um, that brings to an end um, our news. Just before we say goodbye I would like to thank Angela and Robert Bell who have very kindly given um, a donation towards the running of the service. Um, That's very generous. Thank you very much. So that brings us to to the end of this week's news. Um, The obituaries will follow after the music for anybody who's interested to hear those. So it just remains for me to thank you all um, and our team and hope you have a good week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Beatrix Murphy, née McFadden, on March the 3rd, 2019, passed away peacefully, aged 91. The funeral service will take place at Our Lady Queen of Peace, um, organised by Bedwardine Funeral Services. Unfortunately, there's no date on their um, announcement. Um, now, these are funerals that have already taken place. Betty Bosward, who passed away peacefully at Henwick Grange Nursing Home on March the 9th, 2019, age 92. Um, that's Cooperative Funeral Care and any donations for the Mission Church, Bromage Road. Also, Mary Lolly um, died 19th of the 3rd, who passed away peacefully in her sleep and um, her funeral is a memorial celebration which is happening on friday march the 29th at 12 o'clock st andrew's town hotel droitwich and for inquiries contact anne on 077 127 16477 michael clark known as spike who passed away on March the 17th, age 76. Private funeral arrangements. Goodbye to all my friends. Raymond Limerick passed away peacefully at Worcester Royal Hospital, age 95, on March the 8th. A funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Tuesday, April the 2nd, at 1 o'clock. Family flowers only but donations, if desired, for St Richard's Hospice and inquiries to the Cooperative Funeral Care. Joseph Samuel, known as Joe Burgess, passed away on March the 13th. A funeral service at Worcester Crematorium at 10am on Wednesday, April the 3rd.
Donations, if desired, in aid of Box Clever uh, may be sent to Holland Funeral Service. That's Barnard's Green Road, Malvern. No flowers, please. Michael Peter Grubb, known as Mikey of Worcester, passed away peacefully at Leeds General Infirmary on March the 6th, age 35. A funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday, April the 3rd, at 1.45. Family flowers only. Donations, if desired, to St Richard's Hospice may be sent to AV Band Funeral Directors in Worcester. Nathan James Dance of Worcester passed away peacefully on March the 19th, aged 42. Family flowers only, uh, but donations, if desired, for St Richard's Hospice and that's organised by E.J. Gummery and Son. And his funeral service is at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday, April the 3rd at 3.15. Michael Hawkins passed away peacefully at Worcester, Worcestershire Royal Hospital on March the 10th, aged 84, and his funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday, April the 4th at 1.45. The family invite you to join them in wearing cheerful attire. But family flowers only, please, and donations, if desired, for St Richard's Hospice. Inquiries to the Cooperative Funeral Care. Uh, Louis Walter, known as Wally Carter, passed away on March the 8th after a short illness and his service takes place on Friday, April the 5th at Great Malvern Priory at 11.30am, followed by committal at Worcester Crematorium. Family Flowers A bookmaker for 40 years, latterly Pemberton Racing in Ombersley Road, donations to the Injured Jockey Fund would be appreciated. Andrew, known as Andy Brian Robinson, passed away on March the 14th, aged 54. A funeral will be held at Wire Forest Crematorium on Friday, April the 5th at 1.30. Family flowers only, but donations, if desired, to the RSPB and Kemp Hospice, care of Edwin Harris and Sons in Kidderminster. Paul Philip Sammy, known as Sammy Handy, passed away on March the 4th, aged 65, and his funeral service is at St Matthias Church on Friday, April the 5th at 12.30. Family flowers only, please, but donations for the Seven Valley Charitable Trust or Branches Day opportunities may be sent to F.W. Spilsbury in Malvern. And finally, Phyllis Elaine Cox passed away peacefully at Regent Care Home on March the 10th aged 103. Her cremation will be at the Vale Crematorium on Friday, April the 5th, followed by a Thanksgiving service at Bromyard Road Methodist Church at 2.15. Donations in lieu of flowers for Cancer Research UK and inquiries to Bedwardine Funeral Services in Worcester. And our thoughts and prayers go with all, to all the families um, of those who have been bereaved. Thank you.